0: This is your Frederick Real Estate Update, a conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, Remax Results Darren Ahern and Presidential Bank Mortgage's Terry Kernan.
1: Hey folks, welcome back to your Frederick Real Estate Update. I am Darren Ahern with Remax Results. And on this beautiful Good Friday, I also have with me coming in from an undisclosed location, but he can tell you where it is. The man with all the money, the legend, the myth from Presidential Bank Mortgage, Mister. You there, Terry? I am here, Terry Kernan. How are you, Terry? All right, brother. There you are. There you are. All right. Tell everybody where you're coming in from.
0: Well, I'm on. Uh, I'm about to head out to the um, opening day which got moved from yesterday, Thursday, and we're taking the show for, the, for tomorrow. But uh, today's a good Friday, so I'm about to head out to the Orioles game uh, that starts at 3 o'clock today.
1: All righty, the big O's. And who are the Orioles playing? What do you think is the score? Are they going to get the first win of the year? And here we go. Well, uh, actually, they've gotten
0: three wins. They're 3-3, three and three, and they're playing the 4-2 and two Yankees. So my bet is that the Orioles are going to win today. Probably going to be a high-scoring game, uh, probably in the seven Orioles, six Yankees range. So, that's my prediction.
1: All right. I didn't realize. That's right. Baseball already started. I haven't been keeping up or nothing like that. Um, Yeah. So, it's the first home game then. And, Terry, I would like you to tell all of our listeners and all of our viewing audience, um, who is my favorite team? The Houston Astros, (laughs) if that would be correct, everybody Terry wins the prize today. That's right. I am the Dilly Dilly Houston Astros. My whole entire life, I have loved the Astros. So, all right, and maybe hey, maybe be the Orioles and Astros coming up here. That's the game we got to go check out and have fun with. What do you think?
0: Yeah, they're in the same league, and uh, uh, you know, for years and years and years, the Astros were in the National League. And now they're uh, they, they're over in the American League. So we will see them plenty this year.
1: Well, then we're going to have to come down to the ballpark there in Baltimore when they come into town. All right, let's get right on into it, T. Um, I'm going to do the numbers real quick. 247 active homes on the market. And we were at 242. So we've had a net gain this whole week of just five. Hey, we're moving in the right direction there. All oh, the buyers are like, hey, when are, I just had one today. Ask me, when are we going to be in a buyer's market at this pace? <laughs> in 2025 <laughs> or something. All right. That's a snail pace we call it. Resales, 51. Um, uh, the average time in the market, 133 resales for home. Or for sale, and then fifty-one average days on the market for those. So that's been hovering right around the exact same. Uh, in that, and then five uh, five seventy is the median average price of those for single-family homes. One hundred and fifteen brand new builds construction, and last week we had one hundred and twenty-nine. Terry, the name of the game is. I can't find what I want in a resale, so let's just go buy a brand new home. Are you getting a lot of applications or things coming in? Or are you hearing a lot of that right now where a lot of buyers are starting to get still discouraged and they're like, you know what, some of these spec homes, they'll be done in two months, three months, uh, whatever it is, so let me go ahead and just buy a brand new home. What do you think?
0: Uh, definitely have seen that, uh, the frustration of the builders, or the not, not of the builders, the frustration of the uh, buyers is definitely come back, and we're starting to see, especially in the lower levels. Now, you talk about 133 total resales on the market. My guess is that over half of those are going to be at 600000 and above. But even in that market, if it's priced right and in great shape, it's going to be a tough one to beat. Uh, I just had uh, clients that went in on a full price offer at 775 and they wound up going for over 800,000 and it was just crazy but the house was in awesome shape so most of the new construction you're going to run into is not going to start till 350, 400 in the smaller homes, the condos and then they're going to go up above the 600,000 so I think part of the reason that um, you know we are seeing Um, uh, new construction, um, doing better or or doing steady. Uh, But I just, there is no inventory out there. You know, anything below 600,000 is going to, you know, there's probably 60 homes on the market, um, which, you know, we've got just in our office alone, at least 60 people looking for homes under $600,000. So times that by every other office out there, and there's a tremendous amount of uh, demand.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. It's crazy. And I'm going to share some of that stuff with us here coming up. I'll do that next time. That's a good thing to know is those different price points. How many homes are for sale, resale, in all the different segments and uh, price point points? I haven't done that in a while. And that will, like you said, get it more granular. Uh, 58 homes coming on the market. We had 81 last week, only 58. So that's going to be tough to keep any numbers going uh, up above for inventory pending on the contracts 518 sixty two um, and then for the uh, 62 for brand new 226 resales. Um, in that regard, and, there, and then we have sold in the last 30 days, we have 288, and the average time on the market was 23. And the big number we always talk about is the sold-to-list price ratio. It was at literally 100% last week, and it's gone up. That's that multiple offer thing going on, 100.7%. And so um, I hope it it's, <laughs> feels like the the market's getting a fever again, Terry. We're starting to get a little bit of a fever um, it is definitely busy, and I know a lot of the buyers that I'm working with and such have been a little bit frustrated. One of the things, Terry, I'll give you a good example of the market and activity I just got for sale today, 303 Loganberry Court in Frederick. It's in walking distance to downtown. It's a beautiful little rancher in a cul-de-sac, three-bedroom, one-bath, all fixed up, fenced in backyard, nice big, you know, oversized shed with electric in it, mature landscaping, Beautiful neighbors, no dogs coming in your front yard and biting at you. Um, (laughs) The bottom line is this, $275,000 in today, tomorrow, Sunday. We don't have any show-ins because of, you know, beautiful Easter time. And then Monday, I made the deadline for Tuesday afternoon, final, highest, and best. We don't have any show-ins on Tuesday, but between Terry, today, tomorrow, and Monday already, Take a wild guess how many showings are already lined up, and by the time we get off this program, there will be one or two more. How many do you think we got lined up already?
0: Well, three days, you figure the maximum we can get done, let's say 46.
1: Wow. I was wishing that, but not quite yet, but we have 26 showings already Just for three days. 26 showings. And we just got the pictures up this morning about two hours ago. So it's gone viral, of course. And um, I told my sellers I'm predicting at least five offers. I think they're going to get at least five offers. And the thing about this is, and somebody says, wow, it sounds like you underpriced the home. Not much. No, we did this on purpose. This is the strategy, Terry, that I've been talking about on the program that benefits sellers the most, right? Right. And, uh, and so the reason why they're doing it this way is because we found a house up where I live in Sibyllisville on a big lot. Big, nice house, huge deck, much, much bigger. They've got another child, congratulations, on the way, and they're going to have five kids. So they need to up the ante. They need to get some more space and do what I had done. And so what we did is we put – we got it the house that they're wanting to get here – under contract already, and therefore, and then I'm going to talk about inspections coming up with all of our hot topic stuff that we happened to happen yesterday. But we need to get this under contract. Beautiful house we did. With the stipulation that we have a house to sell and get under contract, and I guarantee we'll do this in five days. That is very, very looking good for the uh, seller up there saying, okay, then. A little aggressive, but we'll see what you can do, and I guarantee we'll get it done because we have the strategy in place, and it's going to happen. And so my sellers were totally on board and said, yeah, we're going to do what's going to definitely work. Because the bottom line is we don't want to lose our dream home. If you don't have a solid plan to not lose your dream home, um, that's the problem. It can get really uh, bad for that. So what comments do you have for that whole thing?
0: Well, I think that that is a sweet spot that we're seeing. Anything below 300 is going to get a ton of activity, and especially if it's a single-family home, especially if it's down close to downtown Frederick, You're going to see that's why I kind of went high on the 46. But, um, you know, I think on um, maybe on not a holiday weekend, you might get close to 40. But I think that that's a good strategy. You know, it's a sweet spot below 300. Um, If you Google or check out, you know, anything below 300 in Frederick County, it's probably going to be a very, very, very slim pickings.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And that was the whole strategy, Terry, is that uh, we wanted, because of Easter, we wanted to leave Monday and Tuesday open and no deadline until Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, so that nobody could say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, while we were out, you know, Easter and church and being with our friends and families and everything like that, we missed an opportunity to buy a house. No, you didn't. This is why I do it like this, so that nobody can get upset, makes it nice and fair and all that good stuff like that. So... Um, so, yeah, that was the strategy, and so far I'm, I'm really pleased. I think, like I said, we'll get four or five offers, hopefully, here at least minimum, maybe more. And um, it's definitely going to go up in value. There's no doubt about it. The Copper Bulls, somebody says, oh, you're giving the house away. No, we're not. Even though the Copper Bulls are in that two eighty-five dollars 290 range, this could very well go to $300,000. And now, Terry, tell the crowd what would be the concern if this goes $25,000 higher, boys and girls. What could be the concern, Terry?
0: Biggest concern is the appraisal. Okay, Um, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people going in with multiple offers. Uh, We just had one this week. It listed at 380, okay, and um, instead of doing an escalation clause, uh, our borrowers just basically went in and said, We're going to give you 420, okay, we're going to raise it by 420. And basically, what happened was the appraisal came back and it was at 400. And it was really a good appraisal. The agent that priced it at 380 priced it not below market um, uh, too much. They they priced it thinking that they could get somewhere in the 400 range. They accepted the 420, but unfortunately, the borrowers submitted it and it was accepted without putting in appraisal contingency or the appraisal contingency was left in the contract, okay? So that's the biggest thing that we're gonna see. So what did we see in last year's market? Is people offering 420 when it was listed at 380, people coming in at 420, and waiving the appraisal contingency. We haven't quite seen that yet, okay? That, I think, is something that's gonna be coming down the market, uh, but that is probably the number one fear with, coming in $25,000 higher. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. We definitely are going to start to—we are seeing that more and more and more. But on the flip side with these appraisals, um, it gets to be really, really tricky because what people don't sometimes comprehend or understand, and even sellers, and they just—it's easy. All of a sudden, you get all these offers come in. It goes above, and they're waving this and that and everything else. And then that's a good thing if they waive the appraisal. But if they don't, if a buyer does not waive that— the, the threat that we have at that point is we go back to the solid, hard numbers data at that point. Now And then and then if the numbers aren't there, you can't make it up. And that's what I dealt with with that house up in um, Middletown just last month or so, that we had a shortage of $10,000 on a $460,000 price range. I was a little bit high. We were a little bit high by 2%. And somebody says, oh, well, that's not too bad in an offer. Yes, it is, because we only got one offer. It's not like we had multiple offers to be able to start having people, uh, buyers being willing to eliminate not just home inspections and things, but on the financing side, being able to elim- not only uh, the, to eliminate an appraisal because they're willing to bring the difference. If there was a, a difference, they would bring that in cash, whether that was brought up in an under appraisal addendum with a set amount or a wide open blanket caucho-blanc check which that was the case. So we didn't have that in this case for this particular home because we were already up on the edge of everything and it worked out fine and it came in at 450 and relative to the market and what it is and what was going on with everything at the time and where the inch, by the way the interest rates at that time was also about a percent higher or more. So here's the deal, who would have known you can't you, you, it's easy to go Monday morning quarterback and go backwards. And of course that same seller today could actually say to me, which is a legitimate question. And I don't even think I have the answer. Well, if we listed the house for sale now, rather than three or four months ago, um, interest rate, buyer demand being higher uh, inventory being about the same, the competition, but interest rates less. So if interest rates are a point or a point and a quarter or less now than then, and buyer demand is higher Oh my goodness! I may have gotten that other five or ten thousand dollars now today versus then, and oh by the way, market hasn't dropped yet, and values as in that price range much, if at all, it may be going up a little bit. Uh oh! I should should I have waited, Terry? What would you say to that seller?
0: Basically, you know, you got to feel comfortable with your decision, okay? And we can't predict the future, the volatility. That we're seeing in the market let's talk about rates a little bit okay they went up to seven and a quarter percent right after the jobs number came out they have been inching down February first week in February rates go up to seven and a quarter percent in the month of February then what happens in March they start to come down why because the jobs number showed that the unemployment rate is now three point six percent okay so the month of March was good for rates. What's going to happen in April? Guess what happened today? Jobs numbers come out, and we have 236,000 jobs added. And what did that do? That actually dropped the unemployment rate from 36 to 3.5%. Now, the markets are closed today. The bond markets, the yields are trending upwards, which means that the rates for mortgages will be going back up. We got all the way down to close to 6% in the 6% range. We're down here, we're close. It's been a good month going downwards, but now in April we may see a little bit of a jump because the unemployment figures again. So it's kind of a catch-22. You really can't predict, but you know, I, I think that they did okay.
1: All right, that sounds good. Very good. So, um, all right, let's get into this uh, real quick here, Terry. Yesterday. This is really important um, that I'm dealing with right now. So this same transaction where I'm selling this house in Frederick, we're going to get an offer, I'm sure, by Tuesday or so, or like that, or we're going to do what we got to do, but I'm sure we will. All right, they're buying this home up in St. Billsville, where I live. And all of a sudden, this is beautiful house land. It's an older house, fixed up, rehabbed. they The, the sellers have been there about five years, and they've taken care of the place really well. Roof is a metal roof. It was put on about five years ago. They've cleaned out the septic, you know, three, four years, five years ago. They've kept uh, everything is jiving, looking pretty good, but we're doing a lot of these inspections. So somebody says, well, it's not an as is. It's not, uh, you know, it wasn't a multiple offer situation that we went into. By the way, I can't tell you the price, but we did. We were able to negotiate the price um, for lower than it was on the market. And, of course, this home was over 30 days on the market. How many times do I have to tell sellers if you're on the market 30 days or more? It's always a price honor at that point, your your honor. It's a price problem. You know, you got to get that value right and stuff. So they brought it down. By the way, they brought it down, made a tweak, brought the price down, made sense. And all of a sudden, we come in with an offer. They accepted a little bit less than that. It was pretty good and fair. So within that, here are the inspections. Do a regular home inspection, okay? Um, the, the radon, they told them to put a radon system in because of the age of it. But it has, Terry, let's start with this. It has a basement that has, uh, the, the, the home inspector was expecting it to be a, because uh, the home was built in like 1900. And, um, but added on, added on, fixed up, added on, added on. Beautiful house though, okay? And so the basement, it was expected to be a dirt floor, but it had gravel. They put gravel in and all that stuff like that. And had the HVAC downstairs in the basement crawl space type area that you could stand in. But it had all the beams and, and all the old stone and all that kind of stuff like that as a foundation everything. everything. Um, but it didn't have it only had one metal steel lolly column in it. The rest of it was completely made out of hewed wood log type, you know, all throughout. And smaller, thinner type and in just a whole... Whole bunch of nice supports that's been there for a very long time. Now, the home structure in general, I said to them, I don't see anything out of the ordinary, but inside the home on the first and second level, it's a little bit wavy. And so you've got about a one-inch, maybe two, three-inch drop-off in some places. And so when somebody says, Darren, what do you mean by a one- or two-inch drop-off? That means the floors are not completely level. You can actually see or feel, and if I stick a marble on the floor... It's gonna roll in one direction or another. And, de- and depending on where you're at in the home and all the different types, say four corners, it could go a couple different directions just because of over a hundred and twenty years plus the foundation, you know, it shifts just a tiny bit. So I call it a drop-off. That means it's it's uneven, it's on level. And maybe from one point to another point, the furthest, the the most amount of differential in the flooring leveling is like one, maybe two inches. Now, some people, Terry, would say, holy cow, the whole house is falling and the foundation's terrible. I'd never buy it. Run. That's not always the case whatsoever. It just means that it's never been leveled up. It's never been maintained to be very, very close to being perfectly level. By the way, there's almost no home that has a 100, you know, an absolute perfect level. There's usually an eighth of an inch or a half an inch off a little bit in the set. That's relatively normal, but this one, you could see it. There were places that were like two inches, probably two and a half just by my naked eye, and literally seeing probably 10,000 homes in my career. And so, therefore, I know what to look for. I know what to look for when Door jams, uh, uh, trim work, um, window settings, we call it. You just get to kind of know how to be able to gauge how off is this, not just by my feel, by walking across the room and going, hey, it feels like I'm walking on an angle a tiny bit here, ever so slightly. So I said all that to say this. This home, they weren't freaked out about I explained all of it to them. My background is foundations with poured walls and with home construction and all that. Now, this is all out of stone and everything. This isn't poured wall or it's not center block foundations. This is all pretty much really thick, huge stone. The wall are probably six or eight inches thick or more and they did a lot of reinforcement in the basement on the bottom footing foundation part um, and all that for probably drainage and some other things like that but they didn't have a french drain just just what it was as far as no dirt floor but stonework and stuff like that and that's it so here's my point the second level though In the one bedroom, it had about a three-inch drop-off heading to where the bathroom was for the owner's suite and such like that. Nothing to be too overly concerned about, but, Terry, once anything is more than about a three-inch drop-off, that starts to become possibly pretty um, significant as far as either ongoing, current foundational issues and problems, or the settling has already been done. It may have been like that for now 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, And the quote unquote, it's already been done, but it can be remediated a little bit. And somebody says, and so my buyer said to me, how much can we lift up the house, jack up the house? And what would you do as far as level a little bit? And I said, well, you might be able to go up an inch or two at the max, but I let a structural engineer come in and he'll tell you all about that. Here's what happens. Two things. Number one. I recommended to them, and so did the home inspector yesterday. It probably wouldn't be a bad idea to shore this this up a little bit down here by putting in about four to six, or maybe even eight more at most, maybe lolly columns to where you put in the right footers. You you raise the home up a little bit. You take the tension off all the beams and the structure, the spread structure going across it, across the where the sill plates are and such like that. And now you take all that pressure off even more so and you bring it up a half an inch an inch maybe two at most or whatever a structural engineer would recommend based on where everything sits right now currently and then now it's gonna it's gonna basically give it a lot more strength and reinforcement and permanently set that up like that with braces and other things and then and then go from there so to do that now somebody might say why can't you do more what if it needs three or four inches uh uh-uh. uh, you start jacking up a house two, three, four inches or more. Now you've got the electrical wires in the walls and the plumbing and all this other stuff. You're going to start breaking stuff and having bigger issues in the second and third level uh, that you've never even dreamed of. And that's why there comes a threshold to where it can only be jacked up or brought up just you know a certain amount to be able to be you know just more structurally sound overall. So I dealt with that yesterday. It was really good and positive. And um, and so therefore the cost, somebody says, well, what does the cost of something like this entail? Uh, We never know. I mean, to bring in a structural engineer, it's like $750 out of the gate just for them guys to come in and basically do a schematics and drawing and give ideas and suggestions by their profession to be able to engineer this, uh, to be able to be the best fit for that foundation and home and structure and all that so and then from there on you're probably talking two three four thousand dollars more if not more and uh, it's definitely worth well doing so that was one of the things we did yesterday in our home inspection that we don't see every day what are your thoughts on that as a lender
0: as a lender so if it's not part of the contract we're not going to require to get the house raised okay if it becomes part of the contract, then that has to be done before settlement. So that's a very important thing to remember is that when negotiating, you know you could say you could go back and say, well, let's keep it out of the contract, but we know it's going to cost us five grand to make us feel comfortable, make our structural engineer. And the key word there, structural engineer. They're going to tell you what is going to be the safest route to go. And that's who I would listen to, okay? You know, there's contractors out there that say, oh, we could do this, this, and this. But but having a structural engineer's blessing, I think, is very important. But once that comes into play, then we're going to get involved, and we're going to make sure that it's done, and then it's done correctly. So the structural engineer will have to go back out and do the inspection before settlement. And that is only if it becomes part of the contract. Now, what some people will do is they'll say, "Hey, we know we got five thousand worth of lifting the house or, or, or structure, you know, restructuring the house. So let's just say you're going to pay five thousand dollars towards our closing costs, and we'll be done with it. And then that keeps the lender out, and then they will deal with it after settlement. Um, and but it's totally up to them." So you do have a little bit of option, but but what you're saying about getting a structural engineer involved, especially when there's different sags and different um, levels of the house, you know, just get somebody in there that really knows what they're doing.
1: Okay. We've got one more minute, and i got to ask you this question, if you can do this in one minute or less, but check this out. You're right. It can be, it can be the closing costs or whatever. But what happens if, and that's the plan, is we're going to probably ask for closing help to so they can deal with it later if that's what they'd like to do or whatever's up to the buyers. But I gave them my suggestions already. They're thinking about it. They slept on it last night. But here's my question to you, Terry. What happens if a, an appraiser comes into this property, they do the appraisal, and they say, oh, red flag, we want this checked out and verified and signed off by an uh, structural engineer before we do the loan.
0: Then when if the appraiser, uh, uh, makes note of it, then it becomes, then it comes into play. Okay. Then it becomes into play. And that's where, you know, you may say, well, we don't want it to be in the contract. Well, the appraiser doesn't want to sign off on a house that possibly could have structural problems. So to cover, himself or herself they're basically going to make a note not that the floor is sagging or whatever but they're going to make a recommendation that the uh, you know that the foundation or whatever uh be uh reviewed or inspected by a structural engineer to make sure that the you know that the house is in good shape so on a conventional loan You're less likely to see an appraiser say that on an FHA loan or a USDA loan or a VA loan where you're dealing with, you know, the government-backed loans. You're going to see the appraiser possibly uh, mention that more often than he would on or she would on a conventional loan.
1: All good stuff. All right, guys, we're going to finish up our program here now. Next week, I'm going to be telling you one more thing that we found in the inspection that's really interesting. I haven't seen this in a very long time, so make sure you tune in and have a wonderful Easter weekend with your family. And Jesus has risen and rise up. Take care now. We'll see you next time.